0: hello good afternoon or whatever time of day you're listening to this thank you so much for tuning into the garden space a newsletter and podcast where we explore the planting and blooming of human connection not just ourselves to one another but ourselves in our spaces ourselves in our own bodies my mind to my psyche my personhood to that of my sister of my community of the earth that i walk on it's every kind of human connection possible and feasible i am your host Isma to Gwendolyn, trying to get better at the podcast stuff, trying and succeeding to be better at never failing to introduce myself because I know you all want to know who I am. So I am a creator online, primarily TikTok, but I'd be dabbling in all of the social medias. You can follow me at Isma to Gwendolyn everywhere. It's an uncommon name. If you search it, it's me, promise. <laughs> I also am a writer, trained, uh, that was what my first degree was in. I'm a poet, as well as a budding scholar, not just in Black feminist literature, but in global health studies, and I'm a therapist, so I have a lot of stake in my work ethic. I do way too much, I have too many plates spinning at any given point in time, I regularly work myself to sleep, like I, I often drop out of exhaustion instead of putting myself to bed well. So because that's entirely unsustainable. I'm trying to cultivate a life where I have a more defined and pronounced relationship to excellence and the pursuit of excellence, what it is that I want from this world and the work that I want to be doing with my hands, my body, my heart, my mind, my words, etc. I've been writing a lot about and talking a lot on TikTok, been running my mouth as per usual, about themes of... Work and what mediocrity means, and how dissatisfying I find it, and how I've been settling in my own work because I was too afraid of pursuing excellence. That was what my last video or my last podcast essay. I do have video essays on YouTube, and there's one more coming, but that was what my last podcast essay was about. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to I Kind of Want to Fuck Excellence. This is very much a part two to that. Usually, I focus on standalone episodes, you can take whatever you need in the moment, but for this one, I would absolutely recommend going back and listening a little bit more. So, this video essay, one take reading, as per usual, I don't record these twice, it's just you and me in this space, I invite you into my bedroom, I'm having tea, I have my jazz note, I have my notebook out, I'm having lots of chamomile basties because I need the clarity, I need the patience. <laughs> mm. Oh, that's good the internet has been trying me lately and it is good to remember that i have plenty of peace of mind in myself and with my jazz and with my tea so i invite you to take a little piece with me right now i'm going to read to you one take reading my new essay the pleasure of excellence how can we be great under capitalism with some sub questions is the pursuit of achievement always capitalistic in nature Can the drive for excellence and the stillness of enough ever coexist? Mm. All right, let's begin. This is an essay formerly entitled, Pleasure in the Pursuit. I kind of want to fuck excellence part two. Hello, it is a Saturday in October and I am drinking a hefty amount of chamomile-based teas. I write to you all, my internet friends. To both expand on and settle deeper in some ideas about excellence and what excellence might mean to us in a society that has hijacked our human relationship to work. I've been dwelling lately on themes surrounding work, pleasure, my own relationship with the pursuit of excellence as I reevaluate my own relationship to work. And there are two comments I received that made me really want to delve deeper into the concepts of excellence and enough. I don't think I stressed how much they coexist quite happily in my life. So, indulge me for a moment as we step back into my internal garden space where I house all my human connection, including my human connection with metaphysical concepts. The first comment came from an internet friend called Nicolette. I love that name. (laughs) They really left reflectful and insightful comments under the first video essay that talks about shame. And this internet friend talked a lot about the shame they personally feel that can come with knowing your own bar for excellence is too high for you at the moment. I have a lot of intense feelings around shame. I have a lot of intense feelings around not being good enough for my good enough bar. And the ready-made answer a lot of loved ones give me, which is, oh, don't be so hard on yourself or, oh, just be patient. Those aren't helpful. Like that, that is just not helpful. Nicolette notes that they're still dealing with shame, even though they know they have to be patient with themselves. But that's not an easy switch to flip, and I agree. In this moment of reflection, they asked me, How do you develop patience with yourself when all you have known is shame? The second comment comes from an internet friend on TikTok that commented on one of my video essays about how exhausting intentionally staying in a place of mediocrity is. If you want to be excellent, the video is linked here. It's in the Substack. If you're not in the Sub Stack, you are missing out. But they said the following. I'm gonna read the whole thing, so just you know, I think that it's really worth thinking about. I honestly don't like this idea because my idea of great does not align with capitalism's idea. And capitalism's idea is not possible with my ADHD. And any amount of hard work is not going to get me to that. I understand that I have to define success on my own terms, but I don't live in a bubble. And there will always be a trace of that in my definition. I can't be expected to break free in my thinking of the institution that I am forced to act under. So I think what I maybe should do is be okay with my mediocrity as defined by these institutions while working to dismantle them. Because I cannot tell you how many times I've been told how smart I am, Or how sad it is that I don't work hard enough to do well in a school not designed to cater to me or accommodate my brain. I really like you as a creator and I'd love to see you expand on this. Well, here I am expanding. First and foremost, I want to be forthcoming about my own neurodivergence. I have ADHD and autism I started therapy because I was low key <laughs> low key mandated <laughs> by my undergraduate academic counselors and I was originally being seen for manic depressive episodes. I also did not grow up with wealth and that's something that's assumed of me a lot on the internet which baffles me a little bit. Not saying that anybody here assumed this but in general people think that I came from money and I did not. I am deeply familiar with the neurodivergence-capitalism one-two combo whopping you right in the hopes and dreams. I am also familiar with the constant heartbreak of adults that I loved and respected and wanted to impress, saying that they wished I was better at follow through or I could really make something of myself as if like the me standing before them was not enough. That's not at all what I'm attempting to say and I do not want anybody to feel like that when engaging with the work that I put out. On the internet so i would really like to get into the nitty gritty mm. i want to create some space for vulnerability as i share more about my circumstance my community and my internal relationships to work this is extra vulnerable for me because you listener and i have a relationship in the first place because of my affinity for excellence and my familiarity with enough I am talking to you about the work that I do that directly involves you. If you notice, I don't say content a lot. I say the work that I put out on the internet because I think that's a lot closer to what I'm actually doing. Not just creating things to be consumed. I am putting in work. I'm putting in work to make something that I am proud of, that I want to share with people. It isn't just to be consumable. It's to exercise my own right to work on my own terms for what I want to do so i'm talking to you about this the person who i'm doing all this work for with because of inspired by and it's a little meta for me this is a little itchy for me so i really ask outright for your kindest possible listening ears to address these comments i need to be really transparent and i realize that i'm speaking with two certainties that i can't expect of my audience i just want to name them super clear one I have very clear ideas about what excellence and what success looks like for me outside of the drive of capitalism. And two, I am very familiar with where I need to be excellent and where I need to be enough. I would like to remind everyone of the conclusions of my last essay on excellence, that my own personal definition of excellence is when I impress myself. But before we even begin discussion, I need to expand a little bit on the role of capitalism here. Point one comes from a place of relative financial stability, not just in my personal finances, but in my community support. In fact, way more in my community support than in my own personal finances. (laughs) Even when my finances are not stable, I'm not in crisis about it. I don't really get sent into fight or flight mode when it comes to being broke because I have been flirting with poverty my whole life and it quite honestly doesn't scare me. But because I have community around me where I know that I can ask for help and be well received. This is immediately obvious in recent crowdsourcing efforts where I raised far more than I needed for the ask that I gave and I'm grateful for that. It's also evident even in the ways that the internet does not see and never sees. I have family and friends that are tight-knit, and they show up for each other. They show up for me. I've been sleeping on my friends' couches for literally the entire month of September. (laughs) Uh, I've had space to postulate about what success means to me outside of capitalism because I am not at risk of homelessness, even if I don't make a lot of money, and because I have no dependents, and because I'm familiar with taking care of myself in financial strife. And because I have access that comes with elite education. Like, I'm not in a place of desperately struggling to survive. And while I don't have every social safety net that I would like and every social safety net that I think every human deserves, I do have way more than a lot of people. So that's huge and necessary context for my life. Here is what I would like to get into today. The balance of work. Not quite a work-life balance, but the work that I have to do being in balance. There are two kinds of work that exist in my life. Compulsory work and competitive work. Compulsory work is the work of capitalism and, unfortunately, it must be done. It must. It doesn't matter how anti-capitalistic I am. I do not have a desire to starve. And we currently live under a system that will starve you and punish you if you do not or cannot produce labor, profitable labor. The reason that I'm an anti-capitalist in the first place is because I think that's a really fucked up way to navigate humanity, but nevertheless, that, that is the case, right? I don't wish to starve, I don't. So this is work that I have to do. It is compulsory, that means mandatory, you have to do it. It is compulsion, you have no choice compulsory work can also come with promotions or accolades or other kinds of fiscal and academic and professional success and that quite frankly is not fulfilling to me it's fucking not I got them all like I I did all the things that I was supposed to do and it sucked and I hated it (laughs) and so I'm happy to have learned that lesson while I'm still in my early 20s to know that accolades don't do it for me Promotion doesn't do it for me. Money don't do it for me. Okay, I know that I am currently flirting with financial crisis, but that was not always the case. From for my twenties, it don't it doesn't do like I am not motivated by any of those things. For me, compulsory work has no weight in my excellence conversations because I am not in a consensual relationship with that work. I have to do it. Do it or starve is a false choice, right? If it's gonna be mandatory. Whatever I can do to make this work, the work that I have to do, as kind and as tolerable to myself as possible, I'm going to do it. Whatever it is, I'm going to do it. And that's really sincerely as hard as I think about it. I give compulsory work enough of myself to make me feel safe and stable. I do enough mandatory money work to be an asset to my future self and my community. I want to be really clear that doesn't mean that I have a desire to live in poverty or live in a constant amount of lack I want to do enough so that I don't have to deal with lack or not treating myself well or screwing over my future self when I am unable to perform in this area because compulsory work is rarely kind and it is often inadequate in its returns I am able to lean into my community for support So in turn, I do my best to make sure that my compulsory work things are helpful and life-giving and community-oriented rather than working at Goldman Sachs. Uh, Full offense to anybody that works at Goldman Sachs. I was about to say, oh, no offense. No, full offense. I think you should get a better job. Excellence (laughs) in compulsory work is a happy byproduct. I'm not out here trying to do excellent things in my compulsory work because I believe in accolades or promotion or I believe in excellence for the sake of excellence. I don't think that... It is a happy byproduct. Now, I think I'm an excellent therapist because I greatly care about my uh, my constituents. I care about my, my clients. But that means excellence was a byproduct. Because I care about you, I'm going to work as hard as I can, and thus I'm excellent. That's a different thing than I want to be excellence because that's the point. Excellence and compulsory work is a happy byproduct. It is never the point for me. I want to say here that the comment from TikTok, um, I think it is imperative that you do have spaces where you can exercise work without the thought of capitalism. I do not believe there is no way to free my mind from the systems that we have in place, even though the systems that we have in place are still here. I have to be able, in fact, to free my mind of the pressure of economic pursuit. I would argue that it is an absolute necessity that you have mental emotional spiritual and work spaces away from that because then where is the work that you do that has nothing to do with pre-made freeze-dried mass-produced ideas of success you have to make yourself space away from all that pressure otherwise where will you find the strength to world build like yes you can care you can tear shit down you can absolutely tear shit down with a mind that is completely addled by the smog of the systems, but also where is your space to imagine what it would be like to have something in its place? How do you know what you're ushering in by tearing all this stuff down if you don't have any free space to dream? I wanna be really clear, this is not an indictment and this person feels like a teenager. I can't quite tell, but they feel on the younger side. I did not have the agency, the space, the mental fortitude to think about my life and to create spaces for myself untouched by the evils of capitalism until i was at least well into college so this is not something that happens overnight but i do want to say that i disagree with the idea that it's impossible to have free spaces in your own mind i don't think it's possible in fact i think it's absolutely necessary for the work of abolishing capitalism and for the work of abolishing the prison industrial complex for the work of literally saving the planet because that's what we have to do. So if I do not engage in excellence or conversations about excellence in compulsory work, then where do I? Okay, enter competitive work. Competitive work. (laughs) The work I am doing for the sake of being better This is my true arena. This is where I pursue excellence to my highest ability. In the previous essay, I mentioned my high enough bar where I imagine the work that I do as me competing in the high jump apparatus. I see me reaching for excellence with my whole body in the sky, running and flying, running and failing, afraid of landing wrong, terrified of paralysis, yet still consistently raising my own bar this work is competitive because i am competing against myself and myself only this work is competitive because i am the sole judge of whether my performance is good not great whether it's better than yesterday and whether i'm pleased this work is competitive for me also because i have no imposter syndromes with my art forms at the moment I am very comfortable, deeply comfortable in my skin, cozy with who I am, I'm assured of my own ability to perform. Even though my autopilot is pretty damn great, Like even my autopilot is good, that's what you're telling me? Competitive work for me comes in my art, this is the stuff that I'm secure in, it comes in my art, it comes in my writing, it comes in my speaking, I'm secure in my abilities in these arenas. These are areas of work that I'm deeply familiar with, my own capacity. I'm not guessing or second guessing myself anymore. I know I'm good, I'm damn good. I am currently, right now, in a position where I am rested, trained, and ready to compete. I was not always here. In fact, you can ask the patrons, in like July and August, I was non-existent basically. Is I was I was literally in my house not moving like I spent the entire month inside including my birthday it was wonderful. But I'm rested now I'm I'm all of these things I'm self assured and I am rested and I'm trained which means I can compete all three all three I do not jump from my high enough bar if I am not trained rested and ready to compete all three otherwise I will fail and hurt myself. So this is the, uh, the excellence that I'm talking about. It's also taking risks, right? It is risky to create a lot of space and time in your life for things that have nothing to do with capitalism because I'm losing out on the money of capitalism. Time is money, for real. It's a risk. And I started investing in these things and talking to the internet and sharing my things without any guarantee that I was ever going to get a return of investment on this and money that I make from the internet, even if it is life-changing, which it is, is also not the point of why I did all this. I didn't get on the internet to make money. I did it to have a space where I knew that I was only doing this stuff for me and not for capitalism to appease the, the gods of capitalism that consistently chew up the world. If I am in a space of risk taking, I'm not going to do that while I am bone tired. When I'm bone tired, I'm going to make sure that my needs are getting met somewhere else. I'm likely offline, tapping into my community because I'm tired, I can't give right now. If I'm not trained, if I don't know what I'm doing, if I don't have the mental fortitude to deal with the internet and they hate that it's fused at you sometimes, I'm not jumping for this high enough bar. I will hurt myself. Even if I clear it, I'm gonna land wrong. Something is gonna land with me wrong. I'm not ready, I can't do that. And if I am not, positioned to compete like if I'm not ready if I don't want to if I if I don't have the will in me to go run and jump for it do you think that I'm gonna clear that bar when I don't even want to be here in the first place of course not so I do not jump for my high enough bar until I am trained until I'm positioned to compete and I am rested otherwise I will fail and I will hurt myself so now here is our point about patience from nicolette how do you find it within yourself to be patient even with shame (sighs) oh i think first of all i feel the shame anyhow um i am not actually convinced that shame and patience negate each other and i don't think that you think that either but i want to say super clear for the record shame and patience can coexist in fact shame can coexist with most emotions Most of my emotions in my body have space to be in flux and to coexist with one another. I do not, do not let shame compel me into proving something to myself. Because that is setting myself up for failure and I will avoid it at all costs. If I I don't want, if what I want is to avoid the feeling of shame, that does not mean I should get up and jump for my high enough bar. No. Because I have to want it. I have to want the bar. What I want is to avoid something else. So I'm using the work as an excuse to avoid the shame. Mm -mm. I will hurt myself up there. That's how I, that's a recipe of overwork for me. Prove it to yourself. I'll never prove it. Shame is a a monster in that way. It'll eat and eat and eat and eat and eat you up. That's not gonna work. (sighs) I'm sorry, I lost my place. Ah. I do not. I'm gonna. Sorry, I started. Sorry, I started preaching. (laughs) Uh, I'm gonna go back to my essay. Okay. Most of my emotions have space to be in flux and coexist. I do not let shame compel me to competing to prove something to myself because that is setting myself up for failure and I don't do that, I avoid that at all costs. I do not ask myself to perform Hail Marys or Herculean feats when I know there's a decent chance that I will not clear that bar. I require deep trust in the way that I push myself and my own risk assessment, my own standards. That sort of clarity only comes from sitting my ass down in my spaces of enough for sometimes literal years until until I was cleared to play again. That sort of clarity in myself and, and what I want, what my body wants, the, my, the trust that I have in myself came from years of sitting my ass down and thinking about it. It was fucking frustrating. It was awful. <laughs> I'm actually still regularly in spaces of being just enough and it's still fucking frustrating. However being frustrated that i'm still healing or still learning is better than not listening to and not trusting my body when my body said no it is better than not listening to my body when my body said no i am too tired to jump i cannot do the work i have feelings to feel being frustrated by the process of submitting to my own exhaustion is way better than believing that I was lazy or broken or undeserving. Because that's what you're telling your body, is it not? When you say no, you can get up and do it. You say you're not that tired. You can totally just push yourself and do this. Why can't you just push yourself? Why can't you just get up? So, huge caveat. I'm going to put a big, big neon sign called Note for Traumatic Events. COVID and its various complications surrounding grief and death beat my Yes, I have lost so much of myself to grief and my capacity pre-pandemic very well might never come back. Like it just might that that might be a version of me that is gone now that had extra space that has now been taken up by grief that I that I carry around. I cannot put the grief down because that's where my loved ones are and where they are not, there is grief, and so that is what it is. so I just don't have that space anymore. I will not pretend like it was a cute process, lowering my standards for myself to accommodate the, the new self that I had. Uh, it was not a cute process. It was not a fun process. It's not one that I enjoyed literally in the slightest, but it is one that was worth it and one that had to happen. And I, it was ugly. It was very ugly. But I want to say that it was ugly without being interpreted as calling it bad. Ugly and bad are not synonymous, not in the garden space. Just because something is ugly or something is undesirable, that does not make it bad. That doesn't make it something to be uh, ashamed of in any way. Additionally, I don't wanna posit excellence and enough as states that cannot coexist. There are elements of my work that I feel okay to compete on, like writing, Podcasting is still something I am learning and getting the hang of. So right now, it's not a good place for me to begin to impose all these standards and expectations on myself. Painting is something that I'm making a return to after years uh, of not picking up a brush. And now is not the time to be thinking about whether it is excellent or not. When you are learning how to do the high jump in the first place, you practice with a plastic pole and just jump around. You don't bust out the metal pole that can paralyze you. Why would you risk paralysis as a beginner by setting all these standards for yourself? Transitioning from enough to excellence and back again is also a constant crescendo and decrescendo. It is literally the process of healing my internal relationship with work, which has been so hijacked by capitalism that there was a point in time in which I thought every kind of work was not worth the toll that this takes, the toll of toiling. Healing is really rarely linear, and it does not often come with a final destination, even healing your relationship with yourself. There was a lot of self-healing in this. There are seasons for full-out competition, and there are seasons where I do not leave my bed for a week (laughs) or three weeks. (laughs) But I trust myself to know and honor the difference instead of disrespecting my body by saying, no, you don't know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about, and you need to get up. If somebody else said that to me, I would knock so fast because you but not like that's me bucking because you nucked in the first place. Why are you sitting here calling me lazy? It really is. That's the fast way for me to get ready to fight myself because who the fuck are you talking to? Who are you talking to? Why? Why would I be so mean to me? I know when I need the freedom to try and fail and not have standards at all. We talked last time about the space of enough being for healing, being a space to get to know myself as a friend again. That space never goes away. Excellence and enough coexist inside me. The only time I feel resentment for myself is when I know that I am ready to compete, but I stay on the ground nursing wounds that have already healed. It would be like me having a fully healed leg, but still never taking off the cast because you're afraid. No, eventually, eventually maybe you need to bust that thing open. Your skin needs to breathe. I need to fly. I know that's where I'm supposed to be. Wanting to try and never trying has the same result of trying and failing. My ass is on the ground instead of up there flying. There are also spaces that I simply do not compete anymore where I used to compete. Not even because I don't want to, but because I can't. The person I was when I was able to do those things is not around anymore. There is a lot of grief and shame in that for me. And I don't wanna pretend like I don't see those parts of myself in, in my performance and what I'm missing now. It feels like a chunk of my brain is missing. Grief takes up a lot of space. And I do feel shame when I miss my own benchmarks, especially in knowing what it feels like to impress myself and having used to, having been used to a capacity where I could impress myself on the regular. I mean, in part though, give credit where credit is too. One reason that I don't impress myself on the regular right now is because my good enough bar is so damn high. I am a bad bitch. What do I look like being easy to impress? That's just an aside. It's a shout out to the last essay. But nonetheless, shame in my performance does not negate my pride. I'm going to run that back. Shame in my performance in myself does not negate my pride. I don't run from the feelings of shame or disappointment because Running will not do a damn thing, but create a feedback loop of shame. Because now, not only am I ashamed of falling short, I'm also ashamed of the fact that I felt shame in the first place. And I should, in quotes, know better, right? Or make better decisions in regards to my emotions. And I'm not supposed to be ashamed. I'm supposed to be patient. So why can't I just be patient? No, 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 no. I am not above or too evolved for any of my emotions, including shame. I will feel the shame. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to feel the shame and disappointment of failing, of failing in front of everybody, of failing myself. I'm going to sit there and I'm going to feel ashamed of myself. And, and I will still choose to take pride in myself. There's nothing that I can do and no failure that I can have that wouldn't make me proud of me, so long as I am actually up there trying my best to defy gravity. Are you kidding? I can feel the shame and still choose to take pride in myself. I think this is why I can find so much pleasure in my work. I am proud of myself always. It feels like the sweetest, easiest kind of good there is when I am openly and relentlessly proud of myself. I am too damn proud of myself because I'm too damn good. Love is my true Gwendolyn. Oh, that was fun. Wait, is the song over? Oh, I love it when that happens. (laughs) I love it when that happens. It feels like we just got home from a nice, good, long drive. All right, well, thank you all so much for tuning in. This has been some notes, some loose thoughts from my garden space to yours. I hope they plant something in you and make something grow. And if they grow something that you don't like, you can just pull it out. Just pull it out. Something, some, a, a weed in one place is a, a good thing in another. So I hope that it was able to bloom more flowers and weeds for you, though. I'm finally back from my road trip, if you were following along on the Substack, I'm back on my road trip. Um, I'm at home. I'm with my mom. Way more things are right in the world than wrong uh the internet gave me a lot of money to graduate from u chicago so i'll be graduating officially in the winter quarter and i'm so fucking excited <laughs> anyways i gotta get off of this thank you so much for talking a little shit with me and for learning with me i appreciate you all i'll see you next time